we get to be in your company. Lord, if we are willing to hear, Lord, you are willing to speak to us. And so, Jesus, I just want to pray, make every heart willing. Lord, would you feed us, Lord, what we need to hear the most. God, you have something. Lord, every person in this place has something in need in particular. And I want to pray that that need is met according to your riches and glory in Jesus' name. There is no greater, no greater God than you and you alone, Lord. So thank you for it, Father. I pray um, as you minister to our hearts that we will hear and receive from you all that you have, all that you've provided. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So this morning I want to, I titled this message, Crumbs. I think some of you might know where this is going, but um, if you don't, you're going to get there with me here shortly. (laughs) Um, Matthew chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 21 through 28. I want to share this story with you. It's a phenomenal story. Again, this is another story of a woman. uh, And I want you to hear this, both men and women, but I, I especially want the ladies to hear this as a heart cry for them as well this morning. So verse 21, and then when Jesus went out from there, reading out of the King James Ver- New King James Version here. He departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And when she came and worshipped him, then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, Great is your faith, be it to you as you desire. I think this is one of the most incredible stories that we have that we can read in the Bible. I think it depicts so much for us as we read it. I spent some time especially just trying to dig in because I want to know what God was doing in this situation. One of the first things I noticed was when, when she was crying out, and she was praying for the Lord to have mercy on her. And it was more her daughter that she she had this extreme pain in her heart for her daughter. Um, he didn't answer her a word. I caught that. He didn't even say anything to her. And to us, in our world today, we would think that that was one of the most insensitive things somebody could have done. But I want to call your attention that sometimes God has a time of silence. I want to think about the silence of God. I don't know how many people go through their lives saying it just feels like God's not speaking anything. I haven't heard anything from the Lord. I don't know what to do in those times. And I think it's interesting because I think Jesus was leading her down a path. I think Jesus had a specific intended path for her, and he knew how to direct her in that path. I thought a lot of times that my life, our life, is a lot like the game of chess. And I'm just simply one of the pieces on that board. I feel more like myself. I feel like one of the pawns. And I just call myself one of God's pawns. But what I think is this. God knows how to always counteract your move. Whatever move you're making, God knows how to counteract a move to get you exactly where he wants you to be. 
When I read this, I see a woman who's in one frame of mind, but she's being changed. In just a few verses, something dramatic is changing in her. And these are the things that we need to pay attention to. Because if we're going to find a space in God's corner, we're going to learn what it means to kind of what it means to actually follow Jesus' plan and path for us. So the first thing is he said he didn't he didn't even answer her. And then after that it says his disciples urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us now. You've ignored her, now she's after us. And that's the best I could put it. And so how many people we feel that way toward? And we have to be really careful because really what God's trying to do, sometimes that person may be annoying us, but God wants to do something special. And so Jesus didn't answer a word, and there's a silent moment. And I want you to think about the silence of God. What is it that God's trying to say in his silence? Most of us maybe miss that. We feel like God doesn't want to speak to me, and he's actually really speaking to you. I think... Oftentimes when God becomes silent, it's because he really wants you to hear. He really wants us to hear. So one thing I would say is, is when God is silent, it's, it's a call to discern. It's a time to discern why is God being silent. So many times you read in the Bible where it says God commanded us to be silent. He called us to be still. It says, be still and know that I am God. And so there's times in our life where we're just going to have to be still and know that he's God. I think of Elijah when he was praying and Elijah said he covered his head with a mantle and there was an earthquake and God wasn't in the earthquake and there was a fire and God wasn't in the fire. And with all these extreme events that were taking place around him, it said that he wrapped his head and that he began to just listen carefully and intently and he heard the still small voice of God. So God, I think, speaks loudest when things get the most silent. I want to read a scripture to you in Matthew chapter 13, verses 8 through 11, and also 14 through 15. Go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8 through 11. Matthew 13. Here we have it says, But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it, was, it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. And to them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. There's nothing said in this scripture about silence, but what this verse is talking about is discernment. It's having the ear to be able to hear God. Because see, this is the thing, in our confused world and things going on in our personal lives, just simply anxiety gets in. Simply fear crawls into the space in our hearts. And there's something 
that's saying you have inner voices or inner thoughts going on in your mind. And if that alone wasn't enough, you have all other voices outside here. And if you're turning your TV on and listening to the news, I can only imagine what you're going through right now. So here we have this thought, and it's a time to discern what is it that God's saying through all the mess of my mind and the mess of the world, what is God trying to get me to hear and understand and know? And see, this is so important for us because if we can't catch what is God's word to us, our personal message to our hearts, when everything else around us, even our own fears, are saying something opposite of what He is, we're going to miss the mark. And so Jesus is saying there's a crowd here that is given to them to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So it's not hard for them when I say something in a parable for them to get my meaning here. But there's others that they're just as blind to and just as deaf to what is this God's message that He's trying to get them to get through it. And so it takes, I think, a sincere heart very carefully to take time with God and catch what is His message to us. And oftentimes it's very opposite the one that you have going on in your own mind. And so it's a call to discernment. It's the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. I think that that's interesting because the Bible uses that fairly frequently. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And it does seem like mystery. There's times where it just seems like it's shut in. What do I do in this situation? How do I bear with a, situ a person in my life? Or what do I do with this situation with home? How do I take care of these things? And we're wondering, what is God's wisdom for us in the moment? And I think one of the wisest things you can do is just be quiet. Just be quiet. But I'm not just saying be quiet, but discern. Discern what it is that God's trying to help us capture in the moment. I sat not too long ago in a time in, in my own office at home, and I sat there with my feelings raging and just overwhelmed and I couldn't quite capture what is going on inside of me. I didn't know what was happening ultimately. And I was like, I sat there struggling. And I felt like God gave me this thought. If you were on the outside looking at your life, what would be the problem you would see? It was almost like I sensed the Lord saying, I want you to step back and look at yourself. And when I did, God gave me a, a message. I discerned what I needed to know in the moment. And so I'm going to say some of us need to do that. Step back and look at yourself and where you're at. Some of us need to look at our life and say, I have let life become way too complicated. I have let my situations control me and dominate me. And I can say for myself, the Lord has said many times already in ministry, had me step back and say, are you pleasing people or are you doing my assignment? Are you doing what I've called you to do? And in many ways, we feel like when we're doing what God calls us to do, it's going to be a pleasure to people. But I can't be the servant of man. I have to be a servant of God in my life. So I have to capture those moments when the Holy Spirit said, this is my assignment, go do it. And this one is not my assignment, please say no. There's just those times where we have to learn through God and obedience to Him that some obedience comes with the word no to it. No, I'm not going to do that. Yes, it is a good thing. But no, that's not a God thing. That's not where He wants me to be. Secondly, I see this call to persistence. There's something about this woman that Magna just makes me just leap up for joy. I think about it. It's amazing because at Jesus is not answering. How many of you would have quit right there? You're like, 
I guess he doesn't want he doesn't want to talk to me. He doesn't have business with me. He's not interested in me. How many of us would have quit right there? But she didn't. And she's so much that she's even annoying the disciples. Anybody that can help her, she wants help. And rightly so, because her her daughter is demon-possessed. But see, there's not a medical field that knows how to take care of that situation. But she knows something about Jesus. She knows that, I'm sure that through his history and his life, that she's already heard from neighbors or other people that this Jesus heals. And he's delivered people from demons. He's raised them up from the dead. This amazing Jesus is right here in town. And she couldn't help but go find him. But she's urgent upon him for this. And she cries out. And the next thing I noticed is this. Jesus makes this statement. He says, I wasn't sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not sent, but basically to the Jewish people. If you heard anything that sounds discouraging, that would be it. First of all, he doesn't say anything. Then the next thing he says makes it feel like I'm excluded no matter how much I'm asking for him. But I want you to know something. I want us to think about last week's message coming up into this, that there is a need to um, pursue God. You know, as I mentioned, the hide-and-go-seek side of things. And I like to find a place when I'm hiding that I can be comfortable in because I plan on being there a while. Because I expect to not only to find a good hiding spot, but one I can, be, I can wait there for a time. And God is hiding in a way so that you'll seek Him with all your heart. And I think the reality is this is because as human beings, we find a way to do it ourselves. If there's a way, American people especially know how to find a way. But there's a time in our life where we have to give up on ourselves and we just learn to trust God with our lives. Sometimes it's, you don't get to do anything. Sometimes you just have to take the blows until they're gone. And you just have to release it to God. Learning to release to God is one of the most powerful things you can ever do. Lord, I don't know how to change this, and I don't need to know how to change this. I'm releasing it to you. So you see this woman in this persistence. I want to give you another scripture here in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Just to continue to pursue the Lord, because there's something about his heart. If you know this, God wants to answer your prayer. If you know that much, you know you shouldn't give up until he's answered, right? So Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. I love this one. <laughs> this is such a great one. Then he spoke a parable to them. Isaac, if you could just turn me down just a little bit, please. I feel like I'm a little overbearing here. Then, maybe, it's, maybe it's just me. I have all the speakers pointed at me here. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying... There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Excuse me, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Now listen to what Jesus says. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God 
avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him. Through, though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? There's other versions that don't use the word really, but I like that in the translation. Because will he really find faith? If everybody who said, I believe God, I trust the Lord, will he really find faith? And he's, he's sharing this story because um, there's something about this that we, he wants you and uh, he wants us to know is that there's a persistence with a believing heart. There's a place in a child of God where we know I'm going to go all the way with God. There is no denying me. There's an old song we used to sing, I will not be denied. I will not be denied. That is a powerful song. And remember those words, God, I will not be denied. And that's not the attitude of, um, what would I say, entitlement. I'm entitled to. But there's something about, Lord, when it comes to your glory, when it comes to the fact that you're the God who deserves the praises of man, the highest praises that anybody could ever get, there's not an athlete in the world who should get more honor than Jesus Christ. There's no superstar or Hollywood uh, whatever in order that it should get more publicity than Jesus should get. And here we have the greatest King of Kings who created us and breathed life and breath into us. And we should be able to give Him our praise. And so truthfully, when we look at these Scriptures, when we are all about Jesus getting the glory, you should persist until the end. Pursue until you get. There is no reason you shouldn't. And Jesus is saying, look at this. She comes to the unjust judge that doesn't fear God or man, but because of her persistence, she's going to get what she wants. You know, have you ever heard that term? I know you have. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know what that pretty much means in our world? The person who keeps complaining over and over and over again beyond everybody else is going to be the person that you're going to give in to. And truthfully, we've all been in those situations. When somebody has constantly irritated us, we finally answer the phone and whatever, what do you want? Anything to appease them. Well, here I think God is bringing this on a new level. When the desire of our heart is connected with the will of God, how can He resist you? Isn't that, isn't that what we want to carry into our prayer time? How could He resist us? So a call to persistence. Here's one of my other favorite scriptures in, 11, in Hebrews 11, 33-40. Those who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions and quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death um, by stoning, and they were sawn in two, and they were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated, and the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes of the ground, these were all commanded, commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, 
so that only together with us would they be made perfect. What are we seeing in that? We're seeing a, a whole uh, layout of many people who had trusted God in many different ways. And you see this one where they were subduing kingdoms, and you see another where they're actually being tortured and not accepting deliverance. But how, what we see the key is this faith. The faith part of it is the key of what we're reading. Because it tells us that they glorified God in every one of these stories. And that's what magnifies this. And what she was about ready to find out is what it meant to magnify God. So the next thing we run into her story is, is that she worshipped him. So here he makes this statement. And after he makes this statement, that I'm not sent except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, she then came and worshipped him. So I want to read a few verses to you because I love worship. I want to share something with you about it. In Psalm 92, verse 2, it says, Give unto the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. In Psalm chapter 24, verse, 30, uh, verse 3 and 6, Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those that seek him, who seek your face. The reason I, I chose that scripture is because I feel like the heart of worship is right there. If you'd asked me, James, how do you feel? What do you call worship? What would it really be? And I would say it's that point in your life where you're able to have a transition of heart with God. So there's a time when it goes beyond words. And I think a lot of times when I go into a time of worship, I'll go in singing. But I'll go in singing with this desire that the Lord's going to meet me in a special way. I don't want to just go in there and just go through the formality or the routine. And so when it uses the words in Psalm 29 verse 2, and it says, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. To me, that's what it feels like. It feels like there's this time I started to pray and worship in there. And I start with a song that's familiar and I love the most. But I'm going there because I really want to meet with God. I want the presence of God to begin to begin to reform the context around my understanding of who He is, the understanding of the Bible altogether. So this isn't a quick and done process. If you think that worship is a I'm going to come in here for five minutes and I'm going to get what God wants for me to have in worship. You're probably missing the mark because this is probably hours of time spent alone with God. But in those moments alone, there's that transition point, I just would say, where the presence of the Lord begins to feed into your life. And we would all need the presence of God to feed in those vulnerable areas of life. And I want to just say this to the church and to the people of God. Because I want to encourage you. I don't know what may be distressing you or what may go on in your life. But if you just take some time to worship the Lord, it would make a huge impact. Because we need to have the times where, you know, when we have worship here, I believe God wants us to tarry at a place where we worship for lengthy periods of time. You know, all of us can watch a movie for two hours. But how many of us are accustomed to have a worship time for two hours? Where the God of the universe can spend time with us and publicly minister to the areas of our heart where we need it the most. So for me, one of the things I felt like the Lord has helped me discover for myself is anxiety. 
See, I never really thought of myself as a person who struggled with anxiety. But I started listening to a guy about anxiety, and when he had some of the things he had shared, I saw my life in that role. And so when I began to realize that anxiety has its piece and part to play in there, I, I realized that I needed freed from that anxiety. And one of the things that he made as a statement here was, and it was very powerful, he said that um, in, instead of just trying to call somebody to a fruit of the Spirit, the idea is to find out what is infecting and keeping them from patience, from long-suffering. And so what I realized is there was things, and there's ways that I would think that would bring me to a point of stress, and then I would feel anxiety. But one of the things I noticed about myself is when my mind gets to spinning, and what I mean by that is, is that I think of all the things, and it's an incredible number of things that are on my mind that I feel partially responsible for or completely responsible for. And while I was in the middle of doing a project, that was at least fulfilling one of those obligations, I'd have my mind spinning. And when it starts spinning, I would begin to think about all the other things that I wanted to get to, and I felt like I needed to get to, and I wanted to do something about people I wanted to talk to, projects to be done. And before I knew it, it was discouraging me in what I was doing. It was demotivating me to even keep on going forward in what I was. And so there was times I would find myself, I am done with the day. I'm just going to go lay down and veg out for whatever reason because I just can't stand the struggle of my own thoughts weighing up against me. And I remember the Lord finally giving me a light into this. And so for me, worship becomes key when you're going through something where your mind is spinning out of control and you're facing anxiety or whatever it might be. Because for me, it's that I need release from this. This becomes a personal point of bondage. I can't face my world, my wife, my children, my church, the people around me. I can't be the anxious man that's constantly finding a struggle in my emotional level and my spiritual level with them when I'm struggling with anxiety. And so but God, as God addresses it, this is the thing. The, the power of the gospel is to not make you heal it. You're not the healer over your own personal issues. So then when we come to Christ and truly understand what His part is in our life, we find that oftentimes what we're doing in worship is we're creating an atmosphere where God can minister to our hearts. So we go beyond a song, and the Spirit of God ministers to us and begins to speak things to us. And sometimes I would say this, I couldn't put in words what I feel like God revealed in my heart. But what God revealed in my heart was enough to overcome this power of anxiety as it was. And what I love about the Lord is He doesn't spare us in the areas of truth where we need it the most. And so I find it is that when the Holy Spirit is like He reveals self to you. He's like shows you what's going on inside of you. And it's really important that we get to see that, but He doesn't end there. And so there's a piece of this where Jesus begins to open up truths about Himself and then I begin to feel at rest with Him. And so... It's powerful to be in the presence of God and you really feel like Jesus is in the middle of the whole thing. Lastly, here in John chapter 4, verse 23, he says, But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, and the Father is seeking such to worship Him. So here's what I learned about the presence of God and learning to surrender to Jesus. This is what the Lord showed me partly with anxiety. Anxiety does this. 
when you carry anxiety into trying to carry anxiety into your worship time with the Lord, you miss the presence of God. Because anxiety doesn't have faith to go with it. And so what we've done oftentimes, this is this, this, the problem is, we're trying to pursue the presence of God while we're holding on to anxious thoughts. While fear is being absorbed into our life, and we're worried about many things. And you've got to think about what Jesus, He said to the, I think it was the widow woman, He said, you are troubled about, uh, Mary, He said, you are troubled about many things. And so there's that feeling of my mind is consumed with that. So what the Lord showed me was when you come, you come with that in the way of my presence. You're not letting me in because those anxious thoughts are bearing down upon the time that was supposed to be with me. So now I'm thinking about this concern and that concern while I'm trying to worship. And then when I realized, I see what's happening, Lord. I see why I'm missing the mark. And there's this freedom that comes where now I can worship you. And in, at least in this moment, I'm free of the anxiety that rushed in and captivated me and kept me from my time of worship with you. And what I found is this, is there's a powerful freedom that comes when we're really worshiping Jesus. And so he addresses the real problems in our life. I've got bitterness towards somebody and I'm not willing to forgive them. And you can't carry that beyond the altar of God. and You need to let go. So I think worship is a time where the Lord really does get a hold of our hearts, and that's what it's all about. Well, you'll notice one other thing in this scripture verse that we gave, and that is Jesus makes the next statement after she worships him, and she says, Lord, help me. But he answered and said to her, oh, wait, she said, but he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. The original meaning for little dogs is as a household pet. So not just any street dog, so to speak, but a household pet. You're considered to be a part of the household. And I wonder if she caught that. I think she did. Jesus is not saying that I'm a dog and pushing me away. He said that I belong to his household. I'm just not of the, in a sense, Jesus said, I came for a special purpose. You weren't, in. You. I was coming for the the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but you're also included. I think that that was the idea behind it. What's powerful is that she begins to capture the words that Jesus said, and then she makes the statement. She says, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I think that's exactly what Jesus was looking for. I believe that's what the whole journey was all about. And in a few short comments between her and Jesus, he was able to bring her exactly where she needed to be. She needed to let go of the fear and the anxiety that was built up in her life over her daughter. And she needed to be able to see clearly the majesty of Jesus, the power of Jesus in her situation. He's the king of kings that commands the winds and they obey him. He's the one in control and ultimate authority over her life. And she's beginning to turn her heart over to the reality of who she's praying to. See, there's an injustice we do to God when we begin to pray and not reflect on who He is. 
There's an injustice that we give to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who gave you life and breath. And an injustice that you do to Him when you begin to limit His power. Because there's this unbelief and anxiety that approaches your prayer closet with Him. And so I know what I'm talking about when I say the Lord begin to release me from. I remember there was early on in this ministry, I was having nights where I wasn't getting to sleep. And I was struggling because of anxious thoughts in that time. And I'm speaking to our world. And I remember the Lord speaking to my heart and said, this is the idol that's in the way of me being able to do what I need to do in your ministry. And so when I begin to see that, I was releasing it to him. And there was that heart release of, I see that I was holding on to things. And the fear of that was crippling me. And I wasn't really trusting it to Jesus. See, because behind every thought that you have is either a thought that validates the authority of Jesus and the power of Christ, or it devalues Him and pulls Him down from His throne. And if at the same moment we're saying, Lord, I trust You, but in our heart of hearts we're saying, I'm afraid that I can't trust You, and that's the picture that we're really giving to God, then that's the one that Jesus is trying to change in order for us to bring us back into that circle. So here we hear her crying out. She says, Lord, even the little dogs get the crumbs. I love that because the idea is that Jesus in this universal scheme of things, God, you're working in the world. And yet, even in that, I can still receive just a little. Like, if you healed me, that would be crumbs compared to what you're authoring in this world. You understand we're talking to the creator of all being. So I think what she's saying is is that whatever you do for me right now would be very little compared to the majesty of who you are and what you're going to do in this world. And I think that that's the heart of God right there, is that that's what he's trying to persuade us to move into, is to be the type of people who worship him, who let the silence of God minister to our hearts and draw us closer to him. So that what we see here is what should we be discerning when God withholds? What should we be thinking when God withholds? I think we should be thinking, is there anything in me that's keeping back the provision of the Lord? What do I need to repent of? What does my heart hold on to that I need to let go of right now? For me, it was anxiety. And I believe for many of us that same thing happens in our life. You're afraid and worried about many things of this world. You're concerned about health. You're concerned about what life looks like for um, a loved one that's in bad health. Who knows? But we know all those things happen. But we need to repent and let go of those things. But this people in, in Jeremiah chapter 5, 23 through 25, listen to how God hates to see something in our hearts that defies his character and stands in the way of God. But this people has a defiant and rebellious heart. They have revolted and departed. They do not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God who gives rain both the former and latter in its season. He reserves for us the appointed weeks of harvest. And this is what he says, your inequities have turned away these things from you and your sins have withheld good things from you. How many things do we really let the the situations around us begin to dominate the way that we feel about God in the moment? How many of us, when we get to the prayer closet, we're complaining to God about the things that are struggling in life rather than glorifying Him and knowing that God, whatever whatever we're going through is nothing to your power. There's nothing. You can remove it in an instant, in a second, and I trust in you. 
I've prayed many times about the life of Abraham and I loved his story. Because God said to Abraham, I will make of you. I will make of you. See, Abraham came to the point late in life where he was 100 years old. He still hadn't seen the fulfillment of his promise. And God said, I will make of you a father of nations. Even beyond the point of natural ability that that should happen. And then it said that with Sarah's womb, he considered her womb not dead, but believed and was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And so I think God's just pulling us into a deeper corner of, I know you say you believe me. I know you say you trust me. I know you say that you would go to the ends of the world for me. But here's where it falls short. Here's where you think you are. Here's where you really are. Now trust me to go deeper. And God is beginning to get into the areas of our heart where we haven't let him in. Where really our growth is going to be the place where we release to the Lord and let him have that place. And so there's a certain amount of pressure that God gives to us. Here I also believe that it's a time to live righteously. So when God withholds, it's a time to live righteously. For a day in your courts, in Psalms 84, 10 through 11, is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, and the Lord will give grace and glory, and no good thing will He withhold from those that walk uprightly. Hold on to that promise, dear brothers and sisters. Listen to the Word of God and know that it's yours today. Because as He said, walk uprightly. Live a righteous life. Turn to Him. Because as you let your life be released to the Lord and you surrender to Him, then you'll find that righteousness comes as a result of that. I don't have anything that's not my own that I'm holding on to. And he says, as you walk uprightly, that he will not withhold any good thing from you. Hear that promise today because God is just that good. And then lastly, we need to cultivate great faith. Just know God. See here in Psalm 20, verse 7, I love this verse. It says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We will remember. I don't trust when I come with warfare of darkness. I don't trust in strength. I don't trust in numbers. I don't trust in man. I trust in the strength that God gives. And so he says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord. In Psalm 145, verses 14 through 19, the Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of the Lord look expectantly to you. The, all, all, the, the eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways, gracious in all His works. The Lord is near to all that call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear Him. He also will hear their cry and save them. See, we cultivate our faith based upon these very words. The reason I bring these scriptures to you is because these are the ones that when I'm praying, I'm praying these words. Because God, you're more faithful than my mind can uphold and understand right in the moment. You're more secure and more real than anything I know. And I'm just praying the words of God that's invested into the things that even I struggle with in my own humanity. And lastly, in Proverbs 14, 26 through 27, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. 
to turn one away from the snares of death. Oh, my goodness. I think God wants to just bring us that much closer to if we understand what the fear of the Lord really is. God, I don't want. This is my vulnerable prayer to Him. Lord, I don't want the areas in my life, the little things inside of me that are just human. Do you understand? They're just human. They're the finite pieces to the human fabrication that always finds its way to destroy the integrity of what it means to be faithful to God. And so we come saying, I am weak, but we don't finish the prayer in saying He is strong. He is more than capable and more than able in my life to take me where I want. And so I love this prayer because as we begin to express to God the height of the glamour of who He is, the amazing God that He is, we'll come to the place at some point where we really believe it and hold on to it. And when you find out how great He is again and again, you know, this I want to say because I think the church of God needs to know this. There's always a new point of discovery with God. There's a new point of knowing Him. There's a new place of advancement into the kingdom of God where you get to know this incredible Creator on a greater level than you've ever known Him before. And I would just say that as we passionately pursue that and we come closer to God, there's going to be heart dealings with us. There's going to be heart dealings with us. And so the Holy Spirit wants to take us to that place where we can release things to the Lord. You know, I've had those moments in my life, and I will say that I still come to those struggles still at times. But what I've realized is that sometimes I'm like trying to claim something from God and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm still struggling in the heart area. And Lord, please help me. I need help here. And so what I find is, is that oftentimes when I'm crying for help, there's an escape route as well. And my mind has an escape route. And I'm trying to just find my quickest way to a sense of relief. And the Lord is actually trying to heal. So because this is the thing, we carry things with us in life. And I, you know, as I've shared my testimony over time, in my experience in my childhood, it had robbed me of a lot of things. And what I didn't realize is I came into the Christian life that I would carry some of those things as burdens into. And I remember one of those things was this feeling that I had to be acceptable to people. And I was always trying to escape the feelings of shame. So for me, I remember it, it, what it kind of brought me back to the place my dad would t- have me go to the grocery store and tell me to go buy cigarettes for him. And I remember going there and feeling an utter and total shame and the feeling of that on my mind. And so, but I didn't realize that that would now have its place strongly locked into my heart. And so what I found myself is doing is this. When I'd be in conversation with somebody, I'd find myself purposely trying to keep from talking about things that I thought that they would, what I thought their impression would be of me that would be negative. So I was afraid of what they would be thinking. Well, I remember I finally kind came to a climax in my life where that struggle began to get real. And at some point I began to, I sat in front of another pastor and I was in tears weeping in front of him because I said I was trying to be strong and I couldn't be strong anymore. I didn't have the strength anymore to try and be the guy that I needed to be. And I remember him looking at me and sharing with me some words that spoke to my heart. And some of them were hard and penetrating. He didn't speak harshly, but he spoke to the real area of life. He really spoke to me at the place that I needed it the most. 
And I remember realizing for that moment, this is the James that's been hidden for a number of years. This is the James that keeps coming to the the pulpit perhaps, or came coming to the prayer closet and struggling through this area of his life. Have I got perfect clarity on it? I won't say that. But what I will say is this, I've got a whole lot more freedom than I ever had before. And part of that was because God could show me what the problem was. And I finally came to a point of release with the Lord. And so when we get there, God does, now He demonstrates a new point of freedom. And so what I now begin to realize was, I was, I was struggling. I, but my wife would be such a beautiful example to me because I saw her with freedom just sharing things in life. Sometimes places where I was like, I feel like I was afraid to share with somebody my uh, points of, how would I say it, imperfection. Well, you know as well as I do, if you try and present yourself as a perfect being in front of other people, that we're going to miss the beauty of the gospel at work in our lives. Because you know what, folks? We don't have to be perfect in order to have a perfect gospel transforming us and working in our hearts. So while you're still dealing with some imperfections, can I say this? While you're still dealing with some imperfections off to the side, let the Lord deal with this one tender area of your life and let Him have it and worship Him in the middle of that and get some crumbs from under the Master's table today. Get some crumbs from the the master's table because that crumb is going to feed you for a long time. The Lord will provide. I don't know if you've ever seen the cartoon where the mouse is like he's eating. He's got this huge block of cheese and he'll just pull the crumb off of it. And he's got a week's worth of food from it. But I think the reality is, is that God's just from one crumb is going to satisfy you for a long, long time. Let's keep praying to him and drawing near to what God wants to do this morning. Amen. I want to encourage you to come to the altar. I want to encourage you to spend some time with God. I want to encourage you that the Lord has a crumb for you even here right now. Don't miss an opportunity with the Lord. We're going to always have this uh, altar open. And the reason I do is because I know it feels like it's in front of folks. And I, I just want to say this to some of you because I feel like probably part of the reason why some don't come is because you feel like people are watching you. And you're, you're not right and you are right. People may be seeing, but you know what they're seeing? They're seeing you get touched by God. And there isn't anything better than that. There really isn't. And you know, the most inspiring thing that will ever happen to me is to watch you or somebody else get a touch of the Lord on their life. So don't miss an opportunity with the Lord this morning. We're going to give an opportunity at the altar. And this is what I want to say, is when we do, um, they're going to play our worship song as normal. But there will be a break oftentimes between the worship song and when um, Isaac in the back um, turns on the, just the music that we have already have recorded, if you're praying and you want to stay and just tarry in the presence of God, yeah. just stay there. Yeah. I'm serious. Just stay there. There will be a little bit of an interruption, but just stay and let the Lord minister to your heart. One thing I want to encourage, because there's been folks coming up, and I want to encourage you to tarry and stay closer to the Lord. Because oftentimes the first minute doesn't really impact you like, The next five will. And you'll be surprised at what happens there. And I think sometimes we just get up a little too soon. That's my encouragement. This service isn't over. As long as you're hungry for the Lord, we want to invite that into our time today. Okay? So um, I'm going to invite you to come up as I'm praying and the worship team come up as well. And as we're praying and as we're singing, as your heart is led, just come and let the Lord minister to you. The Lord really does want to do that.